Hey listeners, thanks for tuning into our podcast, but we know you may have an idea for your own podcast and that's why we are recommending you go get Anchor. Mm-hmm. You can create your own podcast and then like maybe have us on as guests. You should definitely have us on. For oh, we're, we're, I just checked our calendar. We're busy, Ooh. Oh, but we're available on this day. We can pencil okay, we'll you be, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're we in. can do it. Okay, we, we it. said yes. Forget it. I don't like your ideas. <laughs> um, <laughs> Anchor is the system we use and it's got a lot of cool tools. You can actually, it's kind of a one-stop shop place where you can go, you can record, edit everything, even implement songs from Spotify into your podcast. Mm-hmm. And what I like about it the most, to be honest, is that it makes us money and I love money. And it also is free, which is kind of like, you know, you save money. It's like I think that's the biggest money. thing is like it's free. So you don't have to worry about like paying any kind of fee or signing up for thing. And they do everything for you. So... You can go there. They will distribute your podcast for you so you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all the other places your family are going to ignore you on. So uh, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started for free. Mm-hmm. Did we mention it's free? Free and you make money. You're going to make money. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe. Your family will ignore you. That's we're, true. It cuts to the core. We're not, we're not going to be on your podcast. Come on, kids, now gather round. Grab along and sit right down. What's that smell? What's that sound? You're on fire, now hit the ground. It's the campfire shit show. And now, your camp counselors, Bo Hufford and Mero Climo. Well, your glasses are so cool, and I Thank like you. your flexible spending account. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I want to be your sugar baby. Always... Be like, girl, I'll buy you any Advil that you need. Uh, today, we are coming in hot with Clarion Gutierrez. Yeah. Welcome, Clarion. Clarion. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Thank oh my you gosh. so exciting. much. I did like some research on you, and there's lots of impressive stuff that we'll get into, but the best of it all was that there was a Facebook post from Bo from like 2013 where he was you guys were going clubbing and he was like I have a $500 bar tab and so far it's just me and Clarion did anyone join first off she's telling the story completely incorrectly what no surprise surprise. (laughs) prove me wrong I won a photo contest at Flux oh yeah and and it was for uh, $400 towards table service and I said Hey, if anybody wants to go with us, it's going to be me and Clarion because I had invited you. Yeah. And I think we went that night, didn't we, when I won the photo contest? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and that's why. Flux is like a downtown bar in San Diego. One it's, of those like like the, it's like the Vegas club yeah. of San Diego. Yeah. At the time, like when it first opened, it was actually uh, rated the best club in the country, best new club in the country. I really? Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm sure there. that they won that, but I don't agree with it. <laughs> Yeah. Well, with all your accomplishments, just so you know, like that's number five of the yeah of all the of all the things you've ever done in your life. What we're gonna get into the thing that Meryl found first was like a bar tab that we were gonna yeah. That's anyway. not surprising. Yeah, I no know. kidding. Uh, so what's awesome is I've known you for so long, and still there are things I don't know about you, Clarence. But what I do know is one you are the co-creator of a book called. A Peacock Among Pigeons. Yeah, which is really, uh, has a great message. We're going to get into that a little bit. You're also a big part of the HRC, which is the Human Rights Campaign. Mm-hmm. What's your role there? Uh, I am actually on the Board of Governors here in San Diego. Yeah, that's wow. pretty awesome. So. And then uh, you just do so much in the community. You're constantly winning uh, art 
stuff and uh you do i think you won last year you came in second place for art alive which I was did, really which rad really exciting yeah that's such a cool thing that's that's something they do at the museum of art here in town and i'm so confused because your bio said like after 16 years of professional experience and i'm like he i think he looks like 21 so <laughs> he does <laughs> he like, does uh, yeah because it said something like you've been doing art for 25 years and that's or because i haven't updated that in like three <laughs> years so it's actually like probably like, yeah well, yeah like 19 years well, I met you. Okay, so just so everybody knows, yeah. uh, I met Clarion while working at SeaWorld. I was coming out for just the summers. I was in Ohio, but came out during the summers in college to draw characters at SeaWorld here in San Diego. And when I got here, there was this young kid young with little spunky, yeah, this snapper. little golden-tipped-haired uh, <laughs> Filipino, <laughs> yes. Filipino dude who was constantly dancing and had like way too good a style to be like someone from Ohio. And I was just like, who is this kid? You know, like 17. And yeah. And Clarion was best friends with him. <laughs> <laughs> no. And so uh, I think just by working with each other throughout the summer and getting to know each other, you know, I mean. We were just a big group. You know, those jobs, those summer jobs where everyone that works mm -hmm. there just becomes family. So you guys both, you did character we drawings did of people at SeaWorld? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah. Now, would yeah. you guys have like a character off or like a code language of like, this guy has a weird eye. Let's try it, draw it this way. Or <laughs> We would. Spill the beans. <laughs> Give us the pull well, back there, the character like curtain. Uh, times when, because sometimes it would just be really dead and you know, really boring. So like, let's do some interesting things or at the same time, it would be really busy and we'll just throw that in there just to make it even more hell. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So like, say we just throw in an, I guess like an Easter egg of some sort, you know, like okay, yeah. for today, uh, my favorite one was try to incorporate a Lego into the drawing. Ooh. Yeah, so or we'd be doing draw drawing. Every, or yeah. Something. Yeah. You know. And I remember one time we did Fig Newtons, too. It'd just be yeah. like somebody sitting at lunch and go, ah, I'm eating a Fig Newton. Let's draw Fig Newton in every drawing. And then the whole crew, all 20 of us, they're, they're working together. They're all like trying to do that. And this is a time before Instagram, before really, honestly, before digital cameras were yeah. really super hot. They were just kind of coming out. Like you didn't so, really have cell phones. Yeah, you, you didn't have the ability to even take a picture of these things. You just had no. to like hear the stories of it. So some like, develop pictures. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it'd be like, oh, did you see what Clarion did? He put the Lego and it was the sailboat and the guy was riding it. And everybody would be like, shut up. That's amazing. Now, how many people were like randomly like, that's really strange because I had a Fig Newton for breakfast. Or like. So I remember one day we did French fries i mean it really got silly right yeah. and there was guy just usually you would draw this item in a body situation so you the person would be buying a face and a body so you could kind of put it in the background right and somebody drew just the face they just wanted their face drawing and then <laughs> he drew the french fries in that too so it was like a a thought bubble and it just had a big <laughs> thing of mcdonald's french fries and i was and i just was like no i was like there's no way this guy's gonna sell this drawing and i was like huh how'd you know he liked french fries and, <laughs> yeah. and i was like what was, yeah that was like probably the most uh, amazing part about it and also what's like the funniest thing is when because we're watching too and seeing what they're trying to do yeah and if like this person is drawing i think you could just see like about to crash because mm -hmm. it's like the worst possible way that you could do this <laughs> yeah. and then when it does it's yeah <laughs> it's amazing it's but awesome. then also those times when it does turn around and you're like oh do they you're like how did, like it? Yeah, how did they <laughs> like that yeah so is there absolutely. a hierarchy in like character work oh my god yes really yeah. so what's like the totem pole is it like just the board the local city boardwalk or did something say, oh i thought you were gonna say oh, the mean, like, board of <laughs> <laughs> the board of caricaturists. Yeah. You're on the A, the B, R, C, like the board yeah. of character artists. Like, the, like is it the local? Just like you're out in Balboa Park. Are or you saying are those the lowly people? Oh, yeah. like location wise, like where uh, you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. Or even like amusement park wise, like 
it's like oh he works at Bush Gardens or something. There ver- there's very uh, there's a uh, there are certain companies that are in theme parks that have many theme parks right. The company we worked for was Commons Art Shops and they were in about forty theme parks at the time, mm-hmm. and so all the major theme parks had them. And if they didn't have Commons Art Shops, they had somebody else like Fazin or or another company that had several locations. You know mm. the local zoos things like that. And I think we were uh, we were definitely in the biggest company yeah. of that. And then SeaWorld was one of the top parks that made the most money. And, and I've said this, a lot of my, uh, my friends who have gone on to do bigger, greater, crazier things, you know, people work at Nickelodeon or Pixar or, uh, you know, people who have created entire shows and just done amazing things, right? Stuff like you. Yes, absolutely. Has gone on to I've illustrate a book. That. Uh, (laughs) no but but like people have done that have said like working in that job absolutely was a turning point for them because they got so good because they had to draw eight hours a day they had to draw fast they had to talk to people they had to get out of their comfort zone somebody could walk up and say hey can you draw me as uh riding a zebra and you'd have to say yep and you don't might not even know how to draw a zebra you know you got to figure it out quick wow or like again this is before internet on your phone you couldn't just look something up coming from a very small town in ohio and then driving across country to san diego i was meeting all types of new cultures you know i can guarantee to you that i'd never met a filipino person at that time and i remember meeting him and being like oh okay like your your brain is going like okay this is what a filipino person is and then you and, ended up working with like 20 of them yeah and then i was like oh wait i'm in san diego is it bad that <laughs> the first thing i always say is that i love filipino food is that annoying when people say that not at all no? i'm very proud of that really well because a lot of people do not know what filipino food is and it's almost like a culture of like if you've had it then you know i know yes. what it is it's a uh, jollibee right that's <laughs> yeah <laughs> I i'm just kidding through, which jollibee I, yeah. is like fast food filipino it's food it's the right? mcdonald's yeah. of uh the philippines <laughs> and um but <laughs> i was like I, I i take pride in that you yeah. know that people are aware of what the food is and that they love it you know and so i, I rarely hear that people don't love it i feel like it's know? the best like food sector i've ever had where i'm like oh there's so many things about greek food i don't like or so many things about this or that type of food i don't like Mm -hmm. but filipino food i haven't had like everything i've had so far i'm like crying because it's so good (laughs) so can i ask you (laughs) like if you were to pick a perfect dish or a perfect uh Mm. idea for someone who doesn't know what it is what would it be i would say the standard is definitely uh adobo uh, in either pork or chicken um comes in a lot of different forms but it's a dish it's kind of like a stew that's uh the base is soy sauce vinegar and garlic and it's just stewed Mm. for a long period of time and it's just the best combination of flavors um then there's also pancit which is our noodle dish uh very similar to like a lo mein or chow mein um, and then, of course, a lot of most people know lumpia, mm-hmm. which is oh, the like sweet. A, I want to I want to live on a lumpia. I, I was actually yeah. watching Clarion talk and I looked over to Meryl. And she's just watering. And she's, totally <laughs> drooling. she's she's ordering Postmates. One of yeah. my great friends who's Filipino to our housewarming party, she brought a, a rice cooker for me because I was yeah. so like obsessed with her rice. And then I cried at my housewarming party because she said, and wait, there's more. And she opened up the rice cooker and she had made rice. Oh. And it was like, and I was taking it with my hands and my voice was like, <laughs> can we just, can, rice. There's something about like even the jasmine rice or whatever rice yeah. it is. It's like, it tastes better than just any other rice. Like, oh, I think funny. I have a little fin- Filipino in me maybe. Cause I, or like the way I like it. The podcast isn't yeah. over yet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Yeesh>. <laughs> but <laughs> what else? Because I, I feel like also with the culture there, it goes along with like, family and education and is that kind of absolutely it's a it's a very very uh 
tight-knit community. Um, family is very important in our culture. Education, for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, like you grew up needing to be a straight-A student. There was definitely that pressure there. Really? Um, oh, yeah. Um, and, yeah, I just remember uh, getting, you know, f- not wanting to come home because I got an A-. minus. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. You slacker. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh. Oh, Man. Yeah. And so now, would um, you get it? Was that self, uh, self-induced, or was that coming from your family? A little bit of both. Yeah, you know, a little bit of both. My my dad was very, uh, he was very adamant about getting a great education and great grades. And of course, you know, like it yeah. definitely helps a lot. Like he would make us read for f- not for fun, but like even outside of an assignment, you know. So um, because I think uh, with our culture back in the Philippines, like everybody works so hard uh-huh. you know, to establish a life because it is a third world country in uh, a lot of parts of the Philippines. You know, uh, there's definitely like your urban areas and it's very, very developed, you know, and very, very progressive. But there are definitely parts that are the opposite of that. And so um, a lot of Filipino families like try to come out of that and just really establish a great life for themselves. And part of that is having a great education mm-hmm. you know yeah. that's why a lot of filipinos are in the medical field you know or in the military or um you know they they have jobs that are careers that require a lot of education mm-hmm. it's very important to them whether it's in engineering nursing being a doctor lawyer whatnot like so so were your parents really let down when you said you wanted to be an artist <laughs> No, because my father was an artist. My oh. mom is a very creative person as well. It definitely runs in the family. Uh, like growing up, my dad, he was in the Navy, but then his side gig was uh, graphic design. Oh, like nice. we ha- Our garage was like a printing press. Oh, you cool. Know? So Which I can imagine back then, graphic no, design he, was a whole other... Oh, it's he, a t- it was a tangible... Like, there, like he hardly used the computer. Like he bought a computer, but wouldn't do much on it like he was cutting out the layouts on paper and yeah exacto knife gluing it on wow uh, typesetting every, like our printer in the garage was a genuine uh typeset printer where you just wow. line up all the letters and then put the ink in through and then wow. just feed each sheet through yeah it was insane that's crazy. was there no. any amount of uh pressure for you to join the navy and oh no my dad no. don't ever join the navy oh, not really <laughs> yeah and so so I think the one thing that they were concerned uh, with was, you know, they definitely supported me being an artist, but just to make sure that I made money doing it. Because mm-hmm. yeah. that is a thing, too. It's like, I think more than anything, that's what they want. They don't want. And the world know. has a stigma of, like, starving artists. And I yeah. think so that's like, I mean, still to this day, I, I, <laughs> I run my own business doing live art. And people, while I'm doing the art, are like, oh, so what's your full-time gig? And I'm like, all right, all right, dick. You know, it, <laughs> yeah. it's like, I'm sure you get some of that. Oh, and I always get you that. You either get people who are like amazed and are just like, oh my God, that's amazing. Look at what you're doing. It's, it's life-changing. I wish I could do what you're doing. And this is so cool that you make it a living. Right. And the other people who go, so what do you, you know, like I said, what do you do for your real job? Right, but I feel like you guys are anomalies of, I mean, I know there's a lot of business-minded artists out there, but I yeah. feel like you guys are kind of like, I think part of that. I, I think that's part of what we were talking about the the basis of like being around business and blending it with art and understanding that you have to do both yeah. in order to yeah. make it. You can't just I mean I still struggle with this but you can't just make art and hope that somebody sees it eventually. You've got to pitch it and get it out there it. and you market gotta, it. Yeah. You know, this is about exposure. Well, you've got to expose yourself. 
All right, <laughs> all right, Clarence. And then you got to put your artwork out there. <laughs> then like, you get a little fiddle. Again, I look, I look <laughs> back over <laughs> at Meryl, and Meryl's like taking her clothes off. Oh, I do. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm having sex with a lupia. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure also with artists, we we have a lot of artist friends, and a lot of stuff they deal with is copyright issues, and you know who gets the rights to stuff mm-hmm. afterwards, and it's a big thing of knowing where your art goes. And yeah. So Stephen Fishwick had started this thing uh, where he was painting live on stage to music. And it was like this fast paced thing where you'd you'd paint maybe a, an icon or an animal uh, that people would recognize. And then sometimes you would even paint it upside down, spin it around. I'm sure you've seen things like this. You spin it around and then boom, there's the image. And holy shit, it's four foot by four foot. And it's like it's up there and everyone's freaking out. And it's it's very like much how like how to an, get do this. Yeah. In like Ten minutes. Yeah. It's an entertainment uh, type thing. And a lot of corporations or private uh, parties would have this kind of thing. And uh, he started working with the San Diego Zoo, uh, putting together a show um, that would be educational in forms where you'd paint a painting, the crowds would be there to see it, and then they would say, oh, did you guys know that a cheetah does this, 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 and this, and blah, 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 elephants and things like that. So at that time, you met back up with him because he yeah. worked with us at SeaWorld, and uh, he was doing it at the time, and, I, and, and where do you go from there? And so at the end of the summer, he you know, reached out to me and said, hey, uh, would you be interested in doing this with me? I need more artists for the show. Uh, so I can train you. Just let me know if you wanted. So, yeah, I totally did it. I thought it was really cool that he thought of me and wanted me to do this. It was very humbling. And so, because I, I regarded him, you know, really high. And so uh, for him to present it to me was amazing. And so he trained me, and then we started doing a winter show at the zoo. And then after that was done, I uh, started just working with his company, uh, doing shows around the country. Wow. And yeah. so, I mean, I know with character drawing, you were already kind of in front of people, but mm. was it different for you to like perform on stage as you were the main focal point? Oh my gosh. It's so different. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, so yeah. different. I mean, now instead of just having to draw in front of people, like you're up there painting on this large canvas while needing to entertain them on a on that scale like you're on stage right you know and you're one person on this stage Yeah, instead of a family looking at you going and you can't oh, just stand there my... and paint yeah you know yeah. like that only lasts for like two minutes you know before right. people get bored i would turn and around so... and be like why is everyone looking at me yeah <laughs> you're talking about you have it like at these corporate or these big big events it's like you got thousands of people looking at you watching every inch and there are a lot of times people with a, a live feed camera on stage with you pulling in to see like oh here's this close-up so people are watching every inch of you you know if you trip or screw something up or make one bad line it could be a real mess wait Bo, do you dance when you do this i need to see i don't do this okay oh you don't speed paint no okay i was gonna say if Bo dances while he's painting everyone always says (laughs) oh my gosh we have to get him to do that no okay so anyway did you try doing this one time yeah don't divert this is we're going to i have done it once but I never showed anybody. I need to see this at some point in our life. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not Recently? even going to tell you. No, because I know I know Stephen's going to listen to this and be like, what? You know, so uh, we'll have to have that conversation later. I need to later. see ah. <laughs> moving like side to side. Like, um, Don't try to get him. Okay, so. so, <laughs> <laughs> so he's blushing. It's just a lot of pressure, is essentially. Yeah. And, and, and everyone's looking at you. And so I think it takes a certain type of person to get yes. up there. You, you have, have to have, have that performer. entertainer's yeah. brain. And, and, and I did a lot of theater and like as Bo yeah. said, dancing. I did a lot of dancing in high school and theater. And, you know, so I had that aspect. If I wasn't doing art, I'd love to do musical theater. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, uh, so it sounds like all the things you'd done up to this point had really been uh, serving you to have this position as a gay man, right? Uh, exactly. And so let's talk about that. <gasps> a gay man. <laughs> I knew it. I'm like, uh, and yeah, here actually, I am. I knew it because I'm like, you're... <laughs> Well Hello. Dressed. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! I love you so uh, much. Here's the great thing, and and I and I know we're making a joke, but like honestly, Clarion uh, was one of the first gay people I've ever met. It was actually so far uh, back in my life that Clarion wasn't even telling people he was gay yet. Yeah. And, and Bo was the first gay person I ever met. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. No, actually, uh, just going back, oh like gosh. we, uh, I think one of the best memories I have of Bo, and this is early on. Um, this is probably at the end of when I was working at SeaWorld and we were at some house party out in freaking Dehisa. I, I know where that was. <laughs> I remember it, yeah. And like when we were drunk and then I think we were just talking and, you know, you're just in that, like, let's talk about life sort of mo- mode. And he was talking about how when he was in college, he had a backpack full of pins and... On it, he had one with a rainbow flag on it, and people would always ask him, "Oh, are you gay? Why are you wearing that?" And he said, "No, I just, you know, I, I'm very supportive of Aww. my gay friends, you know, and I don't think it's anything that I'm wearing this, and I want to show that, you know." And that to me, and I hadn't even come out to him yet at that time, like that's what really like spoke volumes of who he was as a person, mm-hmm. and that's when it was like that it was. Uh, there's, so there's something that just kind of clicked. We're like, okay, it's. It's okay, you know. There you have are like a safe place in this exactly, brand. yeah, exactly. And that was at that point. Were you out to anyone yet, or uh, my close friends? My close friends, not just my the people whose friends. dicks you sucked. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Now we're gonna have you name in order of all the yeah. dicks you sucked. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> then I'll go next. But what time are we? Gonna, what? <laughs> what time are we gonna get out of here? One by one, one by one, we're picking all, everyone off. That's of a life. long list. And the only reason I bring this up is because. Um, it's it's not because it's interesting that you're gay. It's it's interesting that uh, you are such a powerful force in that uh, gay community, and many of the things that you've already talked about have brought you to this space where you you turned that um, not only being gay but being an artist, being uh, in fashion, being uh, that storyteller that you are, being an artist uh, that could draw live, and and all of these things, right? Um, you brought these to a place where you started to do creative work through that and, and, and get your message out there. I want to talk a little bit about, uh, one, the book that you co-created mm-hmm. and that you illustrated. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yeah, so it, it's a children's book called The Peacock Among Pigeons, and I created it with my dear friend Tyler Curry, who is a journalist based out in Texas, originally Dallas, and now he's in Austin. And uh, we first met probably like, just about like four or five years ago, and he was uh, at the time uh, putting out articles for The Advocate, The Huffington Post, um, and they would pop up on my feed. And so, you know, I'd read them, be intrigued. Uh, oh, and he was writing for uh, HIV and AIDS awareness. Uh, he is HIV positive, and he, you know, that was his platform. Like, it was kind of his way to uh, cope with it by just being visible about it mm-hmm. because he saw the importance of being visible and wow. getting people educated through that. Yep. That's great. You know, so that's like um, true power too, by yeah. the way. It really is. You know, it's like, it's like reclaiming yes. that power, yeah, 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 you yeah. know, yep. because I, like I, I can only imagine like how defeating it probably is. Right. Uh, so that was his way of doing it. And 
you know, and he's a great writer and he's a great speaker as, as far as talking about this. So that to me was already what drew me to him. And so um, he saw that I, I drew. And so he reached out to me randomly one time and said, hey, I have an article coming out. Would you be interested in illustrating uh, for the article? Like rather than doing like a stock photo for it. Oh, interesting. Uh, I'd want one of your drawings. You know, like, yeah, sure. You know, so started with that and then it went on to a few other projects and then you know we pretty much had a partnership a partnership established you know and so and uh, what was interesting i think about those drawings if i'm not mistaken they were they almost went somewhere between fashion and caricature right which was really cool to me because these things are coming together wow. at that point and if people know? want to reference that article do you remember what it was, it was uh it was we had a series called the six gay men and it was ju- it was a, a satirical uh, piece, and basically we satirize, uh, you know, stereotypical gay men like in our culture, um, and you know define them. So uh, you can find them in theadvocate.com or on Huffington Post, I believe. Yeah, I'm just a sure picture of all awesome. my ex boyfriends. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite one lives in San Francisco. Oh my god! Of course, <laughs> right now, totally. <laughs> and actually, before he has something called "Shout Out to My Ex Boyfriend Ryan," who is like developed this this harness out of yarn called Yarnus, and Shut I swear up. on my life, and he's like the most flamboyantly like gay man now in so San it's Francisco. Like a knitted harness. Yes, and he became a is it a gif or a gif a gif gif a gif of like him dancing with all these other men in his yarness and it's like it's like one of the top i'll show you when we got off oh but it's like god. this was my boyfriend in college <laughs> <laughs> and like, yeah. oh my god my parents are like you might want to look more into relationship it's with i was getting so head over heels in love with him and my parents were like he, i think he's a good friend and now he's like direction <laughs> king of the well on that note it's like a lot of like my girl friends female friends like i was the only guy that they would let them hang out with yeah, you know, oh, back yeah. in high school, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, if that wasn't like a big yeah. flag, so like, oh no, this guy's okay. a good guy, come no over. threat to our daughter. <laughs> I was yeah. at home like planning Ryan, and I was like, well, I keep the door closed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe she'll dress better. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Ryan was like sketching his yarnest <laughs> pictures, and I was like at home planning where we would get married and stuff. Yeah. So, so okay, so you guys did a, uh, and then did he already have the book written? The no, no, no. Book? So then we were doing this for a couple years. Uh, and it was a thing like, oh, here's our next edition of this coming out. Um, and so it was in 2015. Uh, it was going to be another article. He said, hey, I have this little short essay story that I want to put out. It's called The Peacock Among Pigeons. You know, it's pretty much his story um, illustrated with words. And so he's like, oh, can you just do a cover for it? You know, a cover photo for it, and which is the cover of the book. Mm-hmm. So I did that, loved it. But then I read the story, and after reading, I was like, you know what? There, it's not enough. I was like, there's something about it. Like, it's just kind of in between. Like, it either it needs to be a lot more or a lot shorter. I don't know. It was it was just in this like limbo stage. Yeah. And then so he said, well, how do you feel about writing a ch- or doing a children's book? I was like, you know what? It's always it's on my bucket list, you know, to have always wanted to produce a children's book. I came really close, like in seventh grade, you know, with a school <laughs> project. But that was just a book, and you were a child, so that's yeah. why it was a children's exactly. book. Yeah. Um, and so, I was like, yeah, let's do it, you know. So then he wrote an initial manuscript, and I was, you know, I read. It, I was like, right away, like I started crying. Wow! Because it, for one thing, it illustrated itself. 
in my head. Like it was such an easy project. And then just also like how beautiful the story is and how easily you connect to it after reading it. And so after like, okay, let's do this. Let's pull the trigger. Um, we decided to launch a Kickstarter campaign. We was like, how are we going to produce a book? We've never done this. Right. You know, uh, we have, me and Bo have friends who have published books and I, you know, consulted with them and then their publishers and it's very expensive to do off bat and also uh you got to pay for it up front and then there's then you got to sell it if yeah. it sells it, okay it, it, so that's, i mean making know. a book is 10 percent of the process yeah it, the other 90 percent is selling the book because otherwise you're just sitting with a bunch of boxes of books in your garage the the point of making a book it it, it sounds like you'd be like oh I make a book that's ninety percent done Whew, now people will buy it but like you've got to get it in front of them you've got to talk about it you got to go mm -hmm. to readings you've got to get it out there and that's the hardest part so and for so, people that do because I don't, this world is completely foreign to me do they do you write a book publish it illustrate it and then go to a publisher or you tell the publisher the idea of the book and then it they depends on uh, which out that you want to do most people do what's called self publishing where you know, you find a company that will print your book for you. And you that's about oh, it. Oh, and yeah. you pay them. So you could yeah. do it the indie way and get it done. Exactly. But, but you have to pay kind of like a CD. Like if you want to make your own recording of music, then you make your own. And exactly. But, or if you want to get picked up by Sony, then you go and. Right. Okay. You go through yeah, the yeah. And then same thing with publishing. Like if you wanted to go to HarperCollins or Penguin, like but you have to go there and kind of sell your demo, you know, yes. and see if they'll take it and then publish it. But that's like the big leagues. And so a lot of people just want to get their product out there and just self-publish, which is essentially what we did. So like, okay, well, how can we make the money that we need to produce this, the capital that we need? And at the time, Kickstarter had just kind of gotten off the ground and there were a few successful projects coming out of it. Like, let's try this. You know, let's try some crowdfunding. And so we came up with a campaign and we're like, well, let's pre-sell the book. You know, we both have pretty strong networks, like individually. So we're like, I think we can get people to support this. And so with Kickstarter, you just, like the key to it is to not just ask for money, but to offer incentives with it. So for instance, if you donate 25 bucks, you get the book. You know, it's basically your pre-sale of mm -hmm. the book. Oh, you know, okay. if yeah, you yeah. donate like, you know, 100 bucks, then you get this. If you donate 250, you know, you get a special mention. And then 500, yes. we draw you, or I draw you as a character. Yeah, like, you have so much to offer, yeah. Exactly, you know, yep. so there were different things. And then... You know, our goal, our initial goal was like $5,000. You know, it's like, okay, that'll get us started and then we'll figure out the rest. So we tell people that we're going to, you know, we're doing this special project. Just look out for it. And then we launch the Kickstarter campaign. And within 18 hours, we are fully funded. Oh, my God. Oh, that gives me goosebumps. That's amazing. It was incredible. Like we were just like, because you get notifications like on your email right. whenever somebody donates. And my inbox was just. Oh my gosh! Flooded, oh. and I, I was just not expecting it. Yeah, you know, neither of us were expecting it, and then we we're just looking at the numbers. We're like, holy shit, this is happening! What? Somebody just donated five hundred. What? Like, wow. like it was just happening. And yeah. then by like after like the eighteenth hour, like we were fully funded, and we were just so floored, you know. And can and I ask you a question? Mm -hmm. uh, the way you pitched this Kickstarter, uh, and I don't mean to be ignorant in any way, no. but was it? Was it based in the world that this is a story about the LGBTQ Yes, community? that was definitely our market, and so that it was is like, how we marketed it. And I think the market, I think that market, and people are hungry for these open-minded uh, stories that are being told. They Especially did. even then, it was, what, three 
or so years ago? Yeah, it was about three years ago. And, you know, and, and this is what we say. Like, we did this because we wanted to create the book that we wish we had when we were right. little boys. Wow. That talks a lot about inclusion. It talks a lot yeah. about open-minded thinking. And, and I think uh, it didn't surprise me at all that that thing got funded so quick because I think people are hungry for that message. Yeah. And so... Um, and there, and, and I do think that community. Some communities are just very supportive, and I do find, and maybe, uh, maybe you could talk more about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, that community, uh, the gay community, is very much like let's let's help each other out here. Absolutely, absolutely, especially when it comes to products that are either created or sold by LGBT people. Yeah, um, they want to support that. Like, you know, in the last at least 10 years like the lgbtq lgbtq community has really really solidified their buying power Mm -hmm. you know and really showed the impact that we have in our money like we can now choose where to shop you know where to spend our money where to uh, give our business to right and at the same time too it's like we want to support artists you know that you know, are from our community, you know, as much yeah. as possible. So there are, there are a lot of elements and factors involved that, yeah. you know, were really in our favor and, and we knew we would get the support for sure. We I just think that's so awesome. What about being an actual retail source? Cause I haven't been in Barnes and Nobles or anywhere for a while, but I, I can imagine many people. Have. I was just going to say, I don't think there's a lot of those left. <laughs> that a blockbuster, honest. but I feel like now when I do go in there, I'm guessing there's probably a, now a space, a shelf space for, type of stuff did you guys go into that realm of like at least being in local bookstores or anything yeah like that? for uh like we definitely uh, went into barnes and noble but everything is online our biggest uh biggest retailer is amazon of course yeah you know so yeah so people can go on just to be clear people can go on amazon right now and get the or book among pigeons yeah yeah so type that in oh my gosh i feel like it would probably be so exciting to do like readings of events at like kids Oh yeah, and That's I and I do that all the time. You, do? you know, it's like I go to elementary schools and you know do readings in classrooms. Uh, I'll do them at uh, local libraries. Um, you know, I'll even do a school assembly around it too. You know, and so uh, it it really, really creates a huge impact, and it's so rewarding. Do you find kids nowadays are more accepting than when you? Grew oh, up absolutely. Yeah. And this is the thing: it's like they don't know that this is bad. You know, like, yeah. not bad. I'm sorry, that was... <laughs> you can say it over. We'll, we'll cut yeah. it. Like, they don't know that people think this is wrong, mm-hmm. you know, or that people may not think that this is okay. Yeah. You know, like, they grow up... They're, they're right from the get-up. They are taught that, right? you know, to accept your differences and not to treat people who are different differently. You have um, to be told that something is it's learned. S- strange. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. You don't just all of a sudden go, I just think this is strange. Like... Someone is telling you society, movies, television, books are telling you like this is not right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You, you don't know that this is blah, blah, blah. It's like that's why it's so important to have these messages out there that, that and speak f- that this is not wrong. For sure. And the funny thing is, is that even though it's a children's book, it's really a book for the adults. Yeah. Like that's why you drew dicks in it so much, right? Exactly. <laughs> I'm just Peacocks. kidding. No. <laughs> yeah. um, did you find any backlash at all of your book? I mean, uh, no, I mean, we... It's funny. There are like a couple Amazon reviews, I think, where people were like, "I didn't know that this was an LGBT book, and oh, had God. I know, blah blah blah." They thought it was legitimately about peacocks and pigeons. Yeah, it's yeah. like, uh, like I would have never bought it. Now I can't get my money back. And it's like, wow, well, I would. Well, not and then the funny thing is, yeah. is that 
you know, we're like, it should be done. It's like, no, let's leave it on there. This is the reason why yep. people need to buy this uh, book. Yeah. yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. let them read this. You know, one star. One. It's about gay things. Like, what? Yeah. I don't want to be on that side of history. I'll tell you that. What a pigeon. Except I love oh. pigeons. I don't want to insult pigeons, too. But yeah, I we do vilify the pigeons. <laughs> I know. I love pigeons. <laughs> oh, you mean the rats of the sky? Yeah. Now the pigeons come out their own. They, they come out with their own book. I'm gonna do pigeons among <laughs> rats or something <laughs> like that. Rats. I'm, we we should make keep the, the pigeons a hero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We should totally because not all pigeons. Are oh my like gosh, that. that should be the next one. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So with like children's books and that kind of stuff, is that something now like? I'm sure that that can't be your main income or something like that. I know it's probably. Oh no, was, okay. you don't. You I'll tell you where you don't make money. <laughs> making a book. Yeah. Yeah. No. Well, uh, all of our like it, it does sell really well. We're actually going into our fourth print now. And That's so, awesome. Congratulations uh, on that. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's it's amazing. Um, That's right, guys. They've only printed four books. That's the fourth print. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny did you like that <laughs> yeah every now and then I listen back and I'm like oh, that's actually funny but right now in this moment so we I'm sold like, our fourth funny. book <laughs> <laughs> oh it wasn't that funny now. so um, but like with all of our uh, residuals we put towards either the next printing or other expenses that we have because you know every now and then like, it's been a while since we did but uh, we would do readings or uh, signings you know at different you know, cities or locations. And so pay for stuff like that. Do you have any stories of where the book has impacted someone uh, and they told you about it? Um, and it's okay if you have I mean, it. we, we do. It's just uh, like, it's amazing because there are a lot. Yeah. You know? uh, I would say the coolest thing is how international this book has gotten. Like we have it in Romania. We have it in Germany, I think. Wow. Iceland, you know. Uh, wow. Have you ever had any crazy, um, like live art experiences where you did it at someone's house and they tried to chain you up to their furnace or anything like that? Jesus. <laughs> no. Coax him is this into a fetish thing? No, no, oh, okay, that's a bad thing. I did get uh, asked. It's funny. It was when uh, one of the days that we were performing at Disney, at Downtown Disney. Okay. And after the show, like I had this couple um, who just probably looked like your typical Midwestern tourist you know, couple yeah. visiting Disneyland come up to me and they're like, Hey, uh, how much do you charge to, you know, do an event? Like, do you do private events for that? I was like, yeah, absolutely. They're like, well, we have this annual party up in North Hollywood. Like, would you be interested in performing? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, I can travel for sure. Like, but it's a swingers party. Oh, and I was like, please tell me you did it. Yes. Did you the, do it? Uh, I'm like, yeah, I'm definitely, down to do that but um it never came through so but it's a fundraiser also for toys for tots (laughs) (laughs) and the navy (laughs) oh my god really yeah i'm serious a swingers party wait you're being i'm being very serious and i was Uh, like sure like so would you mind if we auctioned your painting so it's like what's the painting of i don't know toys for tots a swingers party that benefits toys for tots yes i love love it 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 was amazing and i so wanted to do it only in hollywood yes only in hollywood (laughs) it was so funny that's awesome you're uh, you're, you're also you're also a big part of the HRC. You kind of talked about that. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about um, what you do for them and how that has affected your life as well? So I volunteer with the Human Rights Campaign or HRC, as a lot of people know it uh, for short, and it is the largest civil rights organization in the country that works for LGBTQ equality. 
and uh, a lot of people recognize the blue and yellow equal sign stickers that are on people's cars or the the blue and yellow equal sign flag um and that's you know that is our biggest uh signifier but a lot of people don't know really what the organization is and so we are you know behind a lot of you know the advances in you know, gay rights or LGBTQ rights. So, of course, the number one being marriage equality. And uh, on a more, you know, local scale, uh, you know, trying to gain non-discrimination laws, you know, in cities and states, uh, making sure that pro-equality candidates get elected into office. That's a big thing right now. Like, we have the midterm elections happening and the entire house of congress is up for re-election what people don't realize is as much as we don't like our president right now that he and as much as he thinks he makes all these decisions it's really congress that you know signs off on these bills and pushes them forward for him to sign Mm -hmm. you know he can only do so many executive orders you know but the congress but congress is the one who can block it as well so it really is important to have these people and there are 435 people in the House of Representatives that have control of this and make these decisions of which right now the majority is Republican or conservative. Yeah. And so it's trying to get those people in there, you know, and, uh, and vote them in the people who do support progress and equality to stand to pray to protect our progress and to defend our diversity so and you're a representative you you get to go to washington yeah so every year i go to uh our annual equality convention where uh pretty much the local communities all convene and you know we have so much fun we share best practices and learn new things and figure out you know what is our game plan for this upcoming year because you know Sadly, the work is never over. There's always something right. coming up. There's uh, right now. There's like over 130 bills out there that are uh, discriminatory, anywhere from just being able to be fired for being gay at work. What? That's Absolutely, still even... it is a very big. I think there's like 32 states still where it's legal. That's the, oh my gosh! The, I absolutely. feel like people don't even know that. I, I mean, when that's absolutely that's like, why uh, they win. Yeah, that's why they win is because the people the, don't know. The, the people don't know. And the thing is, like, the, the amazing thing about San Diego and California is that we are a very progressive state, and we're used to all these protections, and we're very lucky that we have them. Like, yeah. we have even our mayor, who is Republican, but he is on the board for mayors of equality, which are you know mayors from across the country that support. Uh, LGBTQ equality, you know, and he's a Republican. So he definitely breaks that stereotype. And then uh, we have, as a city, you know, San Diego is very protective, you know, of the LGBT community and very engaged as well. So uh, a lot of times we kind of take that for granted. We forget what it's like in rural Alabama, you know, or even in Ohio, you know, so, uh, that's where our fight it you know still is happening and these laws that are being pushed you know there's still anti gay you know or bans for adoption for people who are for gay couples in some states That's you crazy, know there's uh, some criminalization with being gay you know, so it. I know it sounds so far. I wonder but it's how very many true. decades we are behind of that for that. Like, I wonder if in like four years that the bill, how you said, where you can get fired for being gay, if that's going to be crazy, or if like it's going to take forty years. Or well, that's one of our uh, 
big efforts right now uh, for the 2020 elections try to get a comprehensive, a fully comprehensive federal bill, you know, to where every, basically where it has to be law around the country that yeah. you cannot discriminate based on uh, gender identity or sexual orientation. So it just shuts it down in every yeah. local arena. Because yeah. that's the thing. It's like yeah. a lot of, you know, I'm sure in your jobs that you've applied for or worked for, you know, it's in there like we don't, uh, we're an equal opportunity equal opportunity employer and we don't discriminate against race sex you know oh, blah yeah, blah yeah, blah yeah. but then a lot of them don't say your sexual orientation or gender identity huh. mm. so uh that's what we're just trying to do. something as simple as that yeah. you know is what we're trying to get and people are getting fired for which i never that just blew my mind that that's like, even still on the docket of. Like i think that that's partly because the industry that you've been working in the music industry yeah is it, it's a much more uh it's a much more flowing yeah. situation where people aren't it's not the same. Right. When you're talking about someone who's working at, well, I don't know, Walmart or whatever. They're, that's a big corporation. They they probably get tinged a lot. But like. These, or just a these, local these like assembly. Yeah. These protections. Well, like, like all these, packing. like like these uh, bakeries. Yeah. You know, that, that have been in the news in the last few years. Right. You know, where they don't want to make a cake for a gay wedding. You oh, know? yeah. You know, or that pizza shop who. You know, whatever gay wedding out there that's gonna have pizza at their wedding. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like oh my gosh. <laughs> and yeah. so, um, yeah, it, it it definitely exists very, very, very strongly. Beca- and like the, the, I remember when marriage equality passed back in 2013. Uh, the big statement that we were making was, you know, you could get married on Saturday and come back to work on monday and be fired if you put up your picture yeah. from your wedding and that was the, up on that was desk. happening for sure i mean it, it was, was happening you know there were uh there were county clerks who were not who were refusing to sign you know marriage the marriage licenses and it's like this is your job you have to do this yeah. no i'm not doing it like you're getting that much pushback you yeah. know and so, so you know, it'll be great when it's just a federal thing where it's like yeah 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 oh well and gosh. and not to i mean just to kind of bring this back it's like i know that you do a lot of work for the hrc and and your job there is uh, so important i do think that you've done a good job of also uh when you created this book uh creating a, a new conversation for a younger generation to mm-hmm. grow up and not even be in that conversation later in life. Yeah. Uh, and I really, really appreciate that. I think your book has done some amazing things that you're going to see in 20 years, the the, the reflection of that. Thank That's you, super important. You. It is. I love it. So. Clarion. Yeah. Do you smoke weed? I do. Actually, you do? <laughs> I don't want to pressure you into saying yes, but. Yeah, I do. And uh, since it, I uh, went to my first dispensary uh, probably about a month ago, and it was an awesome experience. It was? Yeah, because, I mean, I would soak, uh, soak, smoke it uh, very recreationally because uh, I don't do it. I never did it on my own, and it was always just with friends, you know, whoever, whoever happened to have it or if it was at a party. Because it was, like, drugs have never been my thing, you know, like, and that's probably, like, the one I've probably done the most, like, and the only other one is like ecstasy back in my rave days. Back in your, <laughs> you would do it and then uh, do the Sea World drawings of people, exactly. and you're like, I see you as purple and, and I just see love. you here are my glow sticks, <laughs> you know. Well, then, and, uh, so yeah, so uh, since um, January, you know, mm-hmm. when it, recreational marijuana became legal here in San Diego, and or that they could sell it. I mean, it's been legal since last year, but uh, since recreational sales have been 
green lighted. Yeah. Um, green lighted exactly. like weed. I get it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wanted to try it, you know, and get my own little uh, oil pipe or oil pen uh-huh. and, uh, you know, some gummies and. It's been amazing. I love it. Well, yeah. then this commercial is for you. <laughs> yes. Because this week's episode is brought to you by Fast Grass, the premier cannabis delivery company in San Diego. You'll like this. They're female and veteran owned company. Then they offer discounts for veterans and cancer patients. So the peacocks can get lit up. That was a really good segue. And there. well, if people are listening, <laughs> they can give them a call. I mean, uh, listening, if they're interested, give them a call at 619-916-7222 or check them out online at fastgrass.org and mention Campfire Shit Show and you can save $10 off your first order. So awesome. We're going to have grass. you do it and then try it out for us. Then come back stoned on our <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing it every day. Uh, oh man, and that's awesome. our commercial. Do you smoke weed, Meryl? Nope. Wow. Oh. Okay. What? We have camper of the week. Roll call, and now it's time for the camper of the week. This camper of the week question this week comes from Megan in Chula Vista, and uh, hi Megan. Hi Megan. Basically, she has some time coming up and wants to hear our suggestions of a vacation that she should take, either from our experiences or our dream vacations. Well, I guess that depends on what kind of vacations you like. Like, are you a warm, sandy beach, tropical type of person or do you like doing things? Like for me, a vacation is New York City. Yeah. It'd be funny if you asked the question and then we just waited for her to respond and then we got back to her in weeks. Because it depends on what you like. And then we just stop right there. (laughs) We (laughs) we wait for her to answer. (laughs) We email her back. Like, it depends on what you like. Why don't you do this? Pick someplace urban and someplace sunny. I would for urban, I would say Chicago. Okay, nice. Because it's a good mix. It's not as crazy as New York, but it's definitely got a great city and a lot of stuff to see, a lot of culture over there, and still, you know, relaxing enough to where you don't feel overwhelmed. I think Chicago is the best city in America. I do too. Me too. When I, really I first do. went there, I was like, "What the heck? This is the most, the cleanest, it's most awesome. beautiful it's a city." Good and everybody's of, so nice. Yeah, and yeah. it's a good blend. It's, so nice. it's got that Midwest charm. It's still, yes. it feels like a big city. I mean, Boston's great too. Mm-hmm. I like Boston. I love Boston. I mean, I, and I love New York. Don't get me wrong, but Chicago just has this certain. Chicago charm. is special for sure. It I'm blown away with how clean it is. Yeah. Now, Rock. what about uh, what about sunny times? Sunny times. Uh, I mean, Hawaii is always good. I just went. Yes, you did. Oh, it was amazing. You know, and the, and the cool thing about Hawaii is that there's also different, there's a different spectrum of things that you want to do. If you want, you know, really, really, really low key, just be on the beach for a week, you can do Kauai or the Big Island where yeah. Bo just came from. Kona is such an awesome city. It was. I like to call it the OB of Hawaii. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> the ocean beach of Hawaii, which means there's people with like parrots on their shoulder walking around. And yeah. weed. I like those suggestions. See, the fact that she's in Chula Vista, I'm going to go out and say, like, either London. I don't know why, but I feel like she could use some London, Mm -hmm. some Big Ben, or she could go to a swingers party in North Hollywood. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't know why. But I think Megan, go. I like Chicago or. Even like Austin is really cool. Yeah, Austin. If it's going to be big, I say Japan. Go. You guys, the three of us need to go first to vacation to recommend for her oh i think that's a great idea Let's, hey can you start a kickstarter we'll just say it's for oh uh, i like that uh, children's pigeons book research. and peacocks version eight or something badgers and, we'll, yeah. and bandits or something like that <laughs> 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 okay well while 
Bo plays with his dog. We'll do a little bit more. See my boo and you my bo, and now it's time for a little bit more. Okay, so this is the portion where you tell us a little bit more uh, that people can learn about a book that you're into or a podcast or something that inspires you. A movie you like. Whatever you're into. It's just something that you would recommend to people. Expand our horizons. Well, a book you should be into is A Peacock Among Pigeons. Exactly. (laughs) I agree. I agree. (laughs) No, I would say the one thing that we're into, I'm sorry, we as in me and my fiance, Jeff. um, Oh my gosh. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Jeff. What sign is he? Oh, he's a cancer. Oh. And we are so like opposite. It's insane. I mean, that, but that's what we pride ourselves on is how opposite we are. They are. Listen to me right now. They are adorable and perfect. Oh, my gosh. Hi, Jeff. Can you guys come to game night tomorrow? OK, you what? stop doing this. On the podcast. <laughs> I can do whatever I well, want uh, on this damn podcast. And I'm going to use Campfire Shit Show to get $10 off at Fast Grass uh, right. if I want to. So we're doing, we'll talk to you about game night afterwards. But hi, Jeff. Yeah. Hi, babe. Oh, my God. <laughs> Hi, baby. Um, so we've been recently watching this show called 911. Oh. Oh, my gosh. That sounds stressful. Is it like the old show Rescue 911? No, it's uh, it's all fictional, but it is okay. about uh, 911 dispatchers and, you know, first responders, like EMTs, fire. I mean, it's, uh, it circulates around uh, this firehouse and then also... Uh, some of the police stations as well, and then this one particular 911 operator. And I posted this the other day, but it's so true. Like, I need a diaper watching this because I shit my pants like every really? single time. It's just so intense, and it's got like the emotions and all the drama too, but then also just these situations. Like, right from the get go, you're just like, no, no, no. You know, like this last episode, what that, because we're, well, we watch it on DVR because we can't watch anything in real time. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, first scene was the plane crash. You know, it's oh. <laughs> like, oh, no, 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 no. Or like in the first episode, it was this roller coaster that had stopped mid-loop. Oh, my uh, God. And the guy was just hanging. <laughs> wait, the thing. So it's like every nightmare situation you could think of. It's like Final uh, Destination, yes. but not all the way yet. So you wait, know? did the guy call upside down on the roller coaster? Call well, one, everybody else was everyone did. the ground. Yeah. I've always but he was just hanging there. Too, like whenever I hear 911 calls, I'm like, I never know what cross street I am. Like, Well, exactly. And then uh, th- that's what's cool about the show, too, is that they take it from all angles, you know, from the operator's perspective to yeah. the... You know, the, the fire, the that, victim's yeah. perspective, the fire, uh, fire's perspective. And I think, uh, probably the big first, like, emotional draw was when the operator was like, she, it was a voiceover, and she's talking about how, you know, you get these calls and they're always very distressful. But I think the most heartbreaking thing is you never know how it ends because usually oh, they hang up. Oh, yeah. And yeah. You, don't, yeah. you know, unless you're friends with the responders, you really don't know. And sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. And you just hear that scream at the end or. You know, everything is oh okay. Oh my gosh, that's so scary. It's so intense. It's so have intense. Have you had to call 911 since you've li- watched it? or Actually, I've never called 911 in my life. No, I don't think I have. I've called I have. a lot, yeah. So I called it on a drunk driver once. That's not really the same. But, but not like a really, really distressful situation. I don't think so. I yeah. called it on our old neighbor was an older lady and she was screaming from her house like help help and my boyfriend and I were both like we'll just call 911 we don't really want to go over there <laughs> and so <laughs> so we called but I've watched I've learned from some of those shows to like I made myself as calm as can be like my heart was pounding and I felt sick to my stomach but I've I was like hello I live at this address and like I yeah. spoke so clearly yeah. so they weren't like you're what because I feel yeah. like anytime you lose seconds when you're like you know and i'm actually uh pretty good like under pressure like in those situations like i'm the one that should be sitting next to the you know exit gate 
right. in, on the plane. Right. Because I do pay attention to everything. That's like every me time, too. Every time I'm in a situation, like I just think of like my exit plan, like just in worst case scenario. That's me in every relationship. Like, could yeah, I like is. jump over that balcony right over there? <laughs> like, if I, I do the same thing. That's I walk down every street and I'm like, okay, if if I if this sort of happened or that, would, I'm constantly. Oh really? Like, oh yeah. Think like oh yeah. That. I always have my keys in my hand yep. uh, Ready when to I'm kill. walking. Ready to like, kill. Like not obviously not to get in my car, but to you know, punch somebody in the face with it. Really? Oh yeah. You yeah. know, and I'm always walking and I kind of learned this from New York too, mm-hmm. you know, like just mm-hmm. always walking and keep like moving to your be head. On alert. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Always look over, like not even look over, but always like never just keep your head straight yep. forward yes. because yep. if I hear a sound, I always turn all the way yeah. around and I'm like, yeah, I'm always looking at what can I <laughs> not kill, but what can I kill? What can someone I use? With? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> to, if I had to beat somebody off, well, not, well, hold on. Oh, oh that's going to be cut. Um, no. Or uncut. You guys are so yeah. vigilant. Wow, that's great. Yeah, no, I think. Oh, man. Well, I mean, if it actually happened, who knows? But there have been situations already where I'm like, I've shown that I'm pretty well tempered where people don't even know that there's. I remember there's one time I was drowning in you were Pacific drowning? Beach. Yeah. And my friend had no idea. I was just telling, hey, can you come over here? Can you come over here? Can you come over here and uh, help I'm me? Drowning. I'm drowning and right you now. Calmly asked if you. Yeah, I'm serious. He's like, what? What? Okay. You're like, yeah. you're like, you're like a British person. If, if you don't mind. Excuse me, madam. Excuse me, that. I, to you. I <laughs> am currently <laughs> drowning and would love your <laughs> drowning. <laughs> oh my gosh. So what's what's next for you creatively? What are you working on? Where do you? Oh my gosh, uh, a lot of things. Uh, actually, the biggest, uh, the most exciting thing that's happening right now with uh, Peacock Among Pigeons is that the San Diego Gamers Chorus of Boston and San Diego are commissioning it uh, to become a musical. What? Yeah, so they're producing it as a musical, which will it's you know being written right now and hopefully be out um, in like late 2019 oh or my 2020. Gosh, that's, that's huge. awesome. Yeah, congratulations. It's really, thank you. Thank you so much. I, we're so excited so for it. So might you be doing some live art with that, do you think? Or maybe we'll have to see. Yeah. Some, I mean, not like for the actual show. Like it's right. like the initial concept right now is just like more of a choral performance, uh-huh. just a chorus, a concert sort of thing. That's so cool. And our goal is to eventually develop it into a children's show for kids to perform in school. Oh, that's awesome. So That's really smart. Yeah, so it's just the, the whole process with it has been so amazing and rewarding because people are just taking it like it's in school curriculums it's on so many reading lists right now Mm -hmm. uh, like you know the top 20 lgbt books that you need to have or um you know it's like won a few awards and so Clara, you're you're so awesome and i'm so happy that you're finding success you guys are really rad thing that you're doing we love you and say again your like socials if people want to peep you and so my name is clarion gutierrez my website is clarion.com and it is spelled c-l-a-r-i-o-n-e how the fuck did you get clarion.com i was just gonna say you like that's a king the first one on like what's the domain i'll buy it you know actually my friend got it for me that's amazing and and it, but it was like at the time when people weren't like were just right getting their own websites yeah. and stuff. Those people are the same people that got, got www.pizza.com. It's like, how did yeah. you get that? He's the king of his domain. Okay. Yeah, and actually, all my <laughs> handles are that like my Instagram is just at Clarion, uh, Twitter at Clarion, YouTube, youtube.com slash Clarion if you want to see some of the videos of me painting. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Definitely go out there and check it out, guys. Yes. We thank you again. We love you. I love you both. We're going to be watching. Oh, that's so awesome. We're going to be you. watching. So much fun. So much fun. We'll Thank see you. you again, buddy. Bye. All righty. Bye. This episode of Campfire Shit Show was produced by Bo Hufford and Meryl Climo. It was edited by Bo Hufford, and the theme song was produced by me, your friendly camp counselor, Jeremy Stack. 
Hey campers, if you want to be the next camper of the week, email campfireshitshow at gmail.com. Say hi to Bo and Merrill on Instagram at campfireshitshow, and please don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. Good night, kids. Sleep tight. <laughs>